We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Say Metro by T-Mobile. Got the best deal in wireless. And it's all for you. All for me. Just switch quickly. Because Metro has two lines for 80. And two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free. Plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be. Only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the July 15, 2019 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the series and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by the FFPC. I am Hassan Rahim. Uh, my co-host Blair Andrews cannot be here today, uh, but you can follow us at um, you can follow me at HRR5010, and you can follow Blair at at Am I the Real Blair? However, it's not just going to be me vamping into this mic uh, for a while. Uh, joining me today on the show today is Josh ADHD. Josh is the mastermind behind the Roto-Grinders Best Ball and Scott Fishbowl apps. And he is an absolute legend among most of us sports data nerds. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh underscore ADHD. Josh, thank you so much for being here tonight. How's it going? Things are good, Hassan. It's good to talk to you finally. I know we interact on Twitter quite a bit and a little bit on Slack and the Rotoviz Slack. And it's good to actually get online and, and have a chat with you. It's it's a shame Blair can't make it tonight. He's um he's gonna miss out on all my goodness. Well, I, I guess that's not true though. He's going to be editing this later tonight in the in the deep dark of the night. So he'll just have to catch up with us on the backside. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a bummer, but uh, we've been trying to get you on for a bit, and so I'm really really excited you can be here. Just out of, just out of curiosity, how's uh uh, I mentioned the Scott Fishbowl app a little bit earlier. How's that going for you? And, uh, you know, the, the road ground is best ball stuff. How's that going? Uh, how's your how's your best ball season going? Um, hey, I'll start with best ball. Best ball is going pretty well, um, especially now that, that Playdraft has put out the mini best ball championship. That's the $5 series that they have. And I, I've been entering those probably once to twice a day as I have, you know, 30, 40 minutes to do a draft and, and kind of focus on that. So best ball season is going really well, especially now that now that the big tournaments have shown up um, on the Scott Fishbowl side. I have drawn the slowest draft in all of Scott Fishbowl, all 100 leagues. We are the furthest behind out of everybody. But that's OK, because it gives us some time to scout out the competition, the other leagues and see what folks are doing from, you know, respective draft slots and whatnot. And, um, you know, I. I'm actually up for a pick right now, but I'm going to wait until after we're done recording because I really want to chew on this pick. And it's I, I feel like this is going to be kind of a pivotal pick for me and how I end up building the rest of my roster. So things are good. 
I'm happy to be here. Let's talk some football, dude. Let's yeah, let's get into it. Um, so for item number one, Coach Andy Reid has confirmed that the Chiefs want Damian Williams to be their full-time starter for the year. Uh, man, you know we're pretty much in the height of like off-season stuff, but this is uh, you know this is the second time this off-season we've heard one of the Kansas City coaches just reaffirm that Williams is locked in as a starting running back this season. It's interesting to me that it's the head coach who's come out and given such a you know he's backed up uh, the fact that Damian Williams is actually their guy. So. Do you think like Williams picks up uh, where he left off last season? You know, do you expect uh, Carlos Hyde to sort of eat in here? And what are your expectations for like Darwin Thompson at all? You know, I, I think I think the truth about Damian Williams is that the Kansas City organization is telling us the truth that they don't have a, a reason to lie. I mean, and and the thing is like, who are they going to switch to? Uh, Damian Williams is the guy. He, he was the guy all through late season and playoffs last year. They haven't acquired anybody that can take his job. So the only possibility I see that exists is if they acquire a player, you know, that's cut in training camp or maybe at the trade deadline that starts taking some of his work. And the only player that I see right now that's maybe feasible option here would be LaShawn McCoy if Buffalo decides to part ways with him. Outside of that, I don't see any way that Damian Williams loses his job. And as we know, Andy Reid running backs are – dynamite fantasy producers so you know whether he loses a few carries a game a, a few you know targets a game to carlos hyde or darwin thompson i think it's um academic it doesn't matter so damian williams full full steve ahead in my opinion yeah i'm i'm kind of with you on that one i uh, it's kind of rough to enjoy i mean as much as like a good running back as like hyde kind of is i just i just think that like He's on his third team in what, like a season and a half. I, I can't. Like, the only way I really see him being truly fantasy relevant is sort of if, if Williams goes down. The one thing that I find kind of interesting here is that um, uh, we seem to have forgotten just sort of how uh, interesting a prospect Damon Williams sort of was. He was, uh, I mean, even coming out of Oklahoma, he was a bit of a you know size speed uh, specimen. Um, taken by Miami early, sort of wound up buried. I believe he, you know, had an injury that sort of prevented him from ascending as a running back, uh, as a starter, and that's where Drake kind of took over. Um, I, you know, so like Williams is one of those guys that's interesting to me that he's sort of like it's not necessarily he's bouncing around a little bit around the league. It's it's, it's interesting that he's found a second life on on the Chiefs for a team that uh, you know was rostering after they let Hunt go they tried rolling out Spencer Ware as their RB1 and they like reverse course like almost immediately on that um they were like no 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 this isn't going to go and for a team that's like you know very cap constrained they decided to actually pay uh, Damian Williams as opposed to go dumpster diving in the free agent pool or taking one of uh, the early running back prospects in this class i mean from a dynasty perspective sure maybe are, are you at risk of of williams losing uh his uh job next year sure but uh you know worry about it when next year comes i think um uh just to ask do you have any uh damian williams in dynasty leagues or is is that not something you'd consider unfortunately the dynasty ship has sailed <laughs> on all of my damian williams shares i i, I cut bait with him while he was still with Miami thinking, you know, he's he's just going to languish in this in this crappy spot for the rest of his career and end up being cut and bounce around and never find a home. And, you know, what you what you want to happen for so many of those fringe running backs on your dynasty rosters actually happened this one time. And here and, it, and it's like the perfect storm for Damian Williams. And you mentioned all the right traits. He's a, he's a size speed specimen. He played in this dynamite offense at Oklahoma and he just went to the wrong damn team in the in the NFL at first, and then he found the perfect home with with Andy Reid, who wants to feed him the rock. And um, if you were patient and held on to him, or you know, happened to go pick him up off waivers halfway through the season last year, just thinking, oh, what the hell, you know, what happens if you know Kenyon Drake gets hurt or something like that, then you're making out. And, you know, good for you. I, but I think a lot of people probably in the same boat as me and they just they decided to cut bait and now they're kicking themselves. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's 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 rough, especially when like they just don't do anything because uh, we want to get in with someone new. And again, this is more of the exception than the norm. I was um, 
you're right. It, it's difficult to trade Williams away. It's difficult to trade for him. You're just going to kind of hold, I think, in my opinion. But I am on with you that he's a very exciting prospect for best ball and, and, and wavered redraft or whatever. But, uh, you know, moving on to it, uh, someone who's also uh, fairly polarizing uh, for some is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who said he is good to go for the starter training camp. Uh, he doesn't expect to be placed on the active pop list. Uh, you know, Josh, like last year, Jimmy Garoppolo fever was in uh, was in full swing. And this year, it seems to be the exact opposite. Like he's going fairly late in, in, in best ball drafts, pretty much across platforms. Uh, what expectations should, uh, you know, drafters have for Garoppolo and the 49ers' aerial attack this season? And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on his ADP right now um, for whichever basketball f- uh, platform you play primarily on? And who are some other quarterbacks you're looking at in that range? Yeah, so I, my my outlook for Garoppolo is relatively the same as it was last year. You know, the, the difference being that last year, if you expect him to be like QB you know, between QB 12 and QB 18, and it's a pretty wide range, but, you know, quarterback scoring is still pretty tight in that area. But if you expect him to finish like, you know, basically at the back end of QB one to halfway down QB two, um, you know, last year you had to, you had to draft it between QB eight and QB 10 in order to get him on your roster. It was an overpay, but this year it's an underpay because now he's between QB 18 and QB 22 in your drafts. So, the outlook doesn't change, but the cost to acquire him has swung completely the other way. That's what you want, whether it be in Dynasty or Best Ball. So I, while I haven't drafted that much Garoppolo, it's not because I don't want to draft him. It's there are other guys I'd rather draft. And so you mentioned the, the players that are around him. Like I'd rather draft Tom Brady around him. I'd rather draft Lamar Jackson around him. I'd rather draft Philip Rivers around him. You know, and a couple of these quarterbacks maybe go a little bit higher on ADP, but I feel better drafting them than I do Jimmy Garoppolo at this time, even though the price is similar. Yeah, I said this before on on Road of His Radio, and I think I'll say it uh, say it again, if only because um, I kind of think like when you're looking at the at the contract structure, it feels almost like the 49ers really rue the fact that he got hurt last year because they cannot evaluate him because they really have to figure out if they want to pick up his player option. It's a lot of money after the next two years. If not, they can cut bait on him fairly cheaply for a very minimal uh, dead cap hit. I mean, you would think that like his cap hit, like it looks like a big raw value number, but for a team swimming in cap space and not having to pay Garoppolo that much, it's not that mu- uh, it's not that much. And uh, I should probably pull up the exact number so so the listeners know what I'm talking about. But um, I will probably write something about it for Road of It at some point. I wrote about it uh, for the 49ers' um, preview, uh, for my free agency preview for them. And the, and the one thing I came away with it before the free agency went live was I mentioned that I think this might be a year where the Niners attack, uh, the, the you know, try to beef up what their aerial attack looks like because they've got Kittle, but they still needed someone. And they were in talks to acquire Odell Beckham. And that did not work out. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just, I mean, we, we read the story like when it came out. It was just a stunner. It, it looks like it looks like the, the Niners just were kind of sideswiped by the, by the Browns. So it's interesting to see them build up uh, this receiver core. Out of curiosity, if you're not taking George Skittle early and you're not taking Dante Pettis, who are you taking late? See, that's the thing I, I have an issue with with the Niners is I don't like any of their guys late. Like if if I I haven't really drafted that much of the Niners this season because I there's just there's no certainty around their receiving options outside and I I think even Pettis is is in this realm where he, I I don't feel very certain about him I know a lot of folks do obviously his ADP speaks to that it's in the seventh round right now but personally I just I don't know what to think of this Niners passing attack and outside of Kittle and the running backs. I just I, I've avoided it altogether. I do like Marquise Goodwin, but I, I, again, he's a concussion issue. Uh, Debo Samuel is an interesting prospect. He's a rookie wide receiver. Jalen Hurts is this Swiss Army knife that I have no idea what they're going to do with. So uh, there's just uh, to me, there's not a lot to go on here until we see some live action in in training camp and preseason. And at that point, I may make a decision to say, okay, now I can start drafting these guys. I've got the information, and I feel comfortable with it. But right now, I just don't feel comfortable drafting any of these receiving options outside of Kittle. Yeah, and I think 
Tittle, one of the interesting things from a roster resource management standpoint in best ball is that it really feeds you up to, you're, if you're taking a tight end that high, uh, you should try to close out that position fairly quick so you can actually, because you're choosing to be strong via the tight end and then you got to address deficiencies elsewhere, right? So it, it, it's interesting for sure. I mean, I think I've got a little bit of Pettis. There's guys going around Pettis who I just kind of prefer. Uh, so, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily that I even consider Pettis to be this kind of great sleeper option. I, I don't know if, if Garoppolo is the guy who I want to be taking as, like, uh, I don't know, relying full-time as, like, a QB2. Maybe if he sort of somehow falls to you, that would be completely completely fine, but I'm not going out of my way. That's a very flat range for me at, at that, that point, All right? Yeah, I think it's pretty flat. Yeah, just, just take whoever you get. I mean, I guess at some point you'll end up with a handful, but... Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because I remember last year Pierre Garcon was getting he went from being ninth rounder to like sixth, fifth, and that was like an absolute disaster across the board. And again, that was Pierre Garcon was it was it was all a it was a logic tree that got you to Pierre Garcon that early because it's like okay, well there's nobody else there to catch the ball except for uh, Kittle. Okay, well if if that's it, then. Who's gonna else is gonna get 150 targets in the offense? I don't know. Okay, well let's draft this guy. And it's like I see the same thing for Dante Pettis this year. Now the big difference is Dante Pettis is young. He's in his second season or third season. I can't remember which, but he's young. And Pierre Garçon's in the twilight of his career last year. So I, I see there's some differences in the circumstance, but I see the same logic tree working down to Dante Pettis, and I'm just I'm not buying into it yet. Yeah, it was a bit of a panic overpay for them to go with Garcon, just wrangling him from like for like Washington. Uh, maybe they should have panic overpaid for OBJ. I don't know. I just think the Giants flat out didn't want to keep him in the uh, in the NFC. Yeah, that's well. Giants fans uh, can uh, should probably remember the good times. It's dark days. I mean. They've got, they've got an exciting handful of players out there. I'm not saying that I should make fun, I'm making fun of Giants fans. It's just a bit of a bummer because you never see guys of that stature traded in their prime. No, ever. It's a new day. Yeah, and it's, it's exciting. Uh, I, I like these like big trades in like free agency where these star players go. Um, but before we get into no shit shit, no, the Road of His Patreon is back for a second season and it is better than ever. And Patreon start at just $6 a month we now offer exclusive access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack where you can ask questions and you can gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Uh, patrons also get first dibs on listener league spots. Uh, the leagues, I believe, should be starting soon. And in the $9 tier, you get some pretty sweet Rotoviz Radio merchandise at the end of the season. Um, become a Rotoviz Radio patron today. Join an exclusive community of listeners. Access some of our premium content. Do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming at patreon.com slash rotovizradio. Um, and again, speaking of uh, some other exclusive offers, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get a 10% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, just get ready for the NFL season. We're pretty much it's here. It's around the corner. Your drafts are starting soon. You should be drafting all offseason, but they're definitely starting soon. Uh, if not, you should be getting prepped up for your redraft leagues. You gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content. You gain all of our access to our tools. You get amazing value. You help support and grow the podcast network. And once again, that's at rotaviz.com slash podcast. Josh, let's get into no shit, shit, no. All right, first item up, you've got Cam Newton. The Charlotte Observer's Brendan Marks writes that Cam Newton is slated to be a full participant when training camp opens. I No shit for me. I, I, I think everything's trending the right way here. All the right things have been said out of Carolina. I, I don't think they've been lying to us. And we have to consider what full participant for Cam Newton means as a, uh, as a grizzled veteran now of five or six seasons. God, longer than that. I think it's seven or eight. But – Full participant for him probably still means, you know, light work and limited, limited preseason action in the games. And that's exactly what you want if you want Cam Newton. You just still want him to finish healing up that shoulder and get his tune-up workouts in during the training camp sessions so that he's ready for week one. Yeah, did you did you see that video of Cam the other day where he uh, ran that uh, route like 
50 yards down the field and caught that uh, caught that bomb. Yeah, he's a freak athlete, man. Yeah, the guy, the guy, the guy doesn't move like you shouldn't be that big and moving like that, just that gracefully. I'm kind of excited, if only because a few, you know, we heard reports this time last year. We heard Luck was throwing a high school football. Cam Newton's been throwing regulation size footballs pretty much all off season. Yeah, and you know the thing about it is like guys heal differently, and obviously Andrew Luck had some issues with his the the repair that was done on his shoulder. You know we saw Drew Brees. Drew Brees tore his labrum in week 17 and was starting the very next season in week one for New Orleans, and you know he he took on an aggressive rehab, something that had really never been seen before in a quarterback or really any kind of a throwing athlete, and he defied the odds. Um, Andrew Luck's just on the other side of that equation. So he's the flip side. So Cam Newton, if he's, you know, the median here, I think we're happy with that. And uh, I've been drafting him with reckless abandon. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think he's my most owned just across all sites, if only because his price has been egregiously low. Um, Ravens is tight end. Mark Andrews could be the uh, uh, featured receiving target, according to the team's website. Yeah, we talked about San Francisco a minute ago and how I'm very apprehensive to draft any of their receiving targets outside of George Kittle. And I feel the same way about Baltimore. Like their their receiving options outside of Mark Andrews, I don't have a lot of confidence in. And granted, Mark Andrews was a low volume receiver last year, but on the volume he received, he excelled. And I, I, I feel like this is going to be a prime season for him to continue that. I went back and looked at Greg Roman and the offenses that he ran in both San Francisco and Buffalo. And a hallmark of those offenses outside of his success with a dual-threat quarterback was his propensity to target the tight end in the passing game. So if we go back and look at the at the 49ers with Colin Kaepernick and Greg Roman as the OC, we have Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker at tight end. And these guys are combining for, on average, 100 to 130 targets a season. Then he moves on to Buffalo, and Buffalo he has Charles Clay. Charles Clay is not quite the dynamic athlete that Mark Andrews is. He's still getting 80 to 90 targets a season. So if we infer anything here, which is dangerous, but based on the limited information we have, it's all we can do. If we infer that Greg Roman will carry this tight end friendly system forward in Baltimore, Mark Andrews is a dude that you have to target. And I think Hayden Hurst probably needs a little bit of a look to late in drafts. Yeah, I think I own a Hayden Hurst on, on pretty on just like one deep dynasty roster and that's about it. I mean I mean Mark, Mark Andrews is getting a fair amount of buzz. Uh, he's seen his ADP rise fairly consistently all off season and this is not gonna help uh, keep that cost down. Um, but I, I agree with everything you said. Just out of curiosity, what are your expectations for wide receivers not named Willie Sneed on this team? I this is a situation I think again I need some training camp reps to monitor this but I'm very excited for Miles Boykin here I know a lot of folks have talked up Chris Moore during the offseason as kind of this deep sleeper type that you could target the teams discussed him a bit too Miles um, Boykin to me kind of fits the athletic profile of a receiver that would excel in an offense like this that maybe isn't a high volume passing offense but requires like this big athletic receiver to go get the ball when necessary. And Boykin kind of fits that mold for me. So he's the guy I'm looking at the most outside of Sneed and, and Hollywood Brown. Nice. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. And you bring up a bunch of really interesting points, which actually I'm going to have to probably go back and reopen my thoughts on, on Boykin. Uh, so, all right. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster believes James Washington will sneak up on people this year. Uh, to me, that's a that's a shit no. James Washington's like six four. He's not sneaking up on anybody. But all jokes aside, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All jokes aside, it's possible James Washington could sneak up on folks. He didn't get any work last year, so there's not a lot of tape on him. And the issue for him is going to be if he blows up in the preseason, he's not sneaking up on anybody. So I'm I'm dubious about him sneaking up on folks this year. I'm I'm much more bullish on Dante Moncrief. Uh, in this offense, he's a young guy still. Dante Moncrief's 25. He's been in the, the league for, I think, four or five seasons already. So, you know, I I like these young players that have a lot of work underneath their belt. Kenny Stills is a similar type player that, you know, granted, Moncrief's on his third team, 
but he's landed in the perfect offense for him. And we've already heard Ben Roethlisberger talk him up from um, OTAs this offseason as a player that's really worked well with him and has, has come in and kind of picked up the system. So, you know, I, Washington may sneak up on people, but I think Moncrief is the guy to own. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I uh, don't know why their ADPs are uh, kind of flipped. I think it might just be uh, at this point. Um, I believe they might be flipped on draft, but on in DB10s, uh, I don't think they are. And I'm going to have to actually check some of Mike Beers' great great tools just to see what where the ADPs currently are. I took a bit of a break from from drafting best ball because I was uh, I, I felt I needed to take a little bit of break and let. Uh, step away from 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 watching uh you know dealing with the current adp and then i changed it up like like you mentioned i was i've been playing some of that draft mini tournament instead so that's that's exciting i i'm with you on moncrief i think um it's it's interesting because this is uh, i mean we saw we saw moncrief be fairly good with with, with luck in a, in a very particular role and now we get to see him go to another good quarterback after his little um, sojourn to Jacksonville. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm with you on Moncrief, I think, as, as a guy you kind of want here, uh, if only because he should, him and James Washington should probably skip work. Uh, that said, what are your thoughts on Juju this this year? I, I, I don't see any reason why Juju couldn't see 180 targets this year. They, they lost so much passing volume out of the offense between um, – Obviously, uh, Antonio Brown, and then God, who else did they lose? Well, they lost Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell was lost last season too. But they've lost a like 200 some odd targets in their offense, I believe. And somebody has to take them up. And Juju already had well over 100 targets, so if he just gets a little portion of that, you know, you're looking at 180 to 200 targets potentially. Uh, it's how can you how can you pass that up? I mean, I, I think a lot of folks are looking at him as their potential wide receiver one, and you know, why not? Yeah, I, I think that there's a very good case for Juju as not just a dino wide receiver one, but also like it's a, like he should be in that redraft off tier. Um, this is a fun one. Uh, Frank Gore is not sure when he will retire. No shit. <laughs> Nobody's sure when he will retire. It's um, Frank Gore is a modern marvel, and we should all appreciate him while we can. Yeah, the guy's eternal. Maybe, maybe, maybe our grandkids will be watching Frank Gore. She'll go for it. Seven hundred yards. Yeah, seven hundred yards and, and six touchdowns. We should all be so lucky. Uh, Delaney Walker uh, does not know if he will open the camp on the active a pop list. Yeah, to, to me, this is a no shit. It, you know, he did bust his ankle up pretty good. And it was relatively late last season, at the middle of the season, I think, maybe middle late. No, I think it was first. I think it was the first game actually. That that horror show in Miami. Oh my God! Yeah, you're yeah. right about that. And that I had game, to. Oh my God! That like, game felt like it was like five weeks long because it started and stopped and started and stopped. It was a disaster. They lost Mariota and they lost Delaney. It was just, just from the start, it was a cursed start to the season. Now I remember why I, I had a bad memory on this. It's because I had him on so many best ball rosters as my tight end one that I purged it from my memory. Yeah, it's so it, it was. I, I that that shows you just how invested I was in like the Titans' offense that I remember the exact moment. Like I just couldn't I couldn't fathom why the game was not moving from like why the game clock was frozen in the first quarter when we were like headed to like. Uh, the close of the afternoon games, and I was like, Did, "What happened here?" It, it was just an abject disaster from like start to finish. Uh, but yeah, so what are your thoughts here on on Delaney? Um, uh, so uh, sorry, not on Delaney, but what are your thoughts here on? Is it going to be like AJ Brown? You're going to see Corey Davis. What happens? I, I'm all aboard with Corey Davis. I don't see any reason why they won't really push him as the wide receiver one as they've done in the past couple seasons and I think he's another player that's ripe for 160 targets again as as a clear wide receiver one on the offense so obviously they they did sign um Adam Humphreys to a, a relatively healthy contract and while I think he's going to get some work I think he's probably more like a run game proxy than anything else and AJ Brown I like AJ Brown as a receiver but I you know we just don't see too many rookie receivers 
break in when they're tied to a what we think is going to be a run heavy offense. So I, I he's probably the best candidate to break out this year, but there's a lot of pieces moving around him that could kneecap that in a hurry. Yeah, I've been taking a uh, a bit of like AJ Brown. Just re- he just goes so 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 late. You can get him in the last round. Yeah, you you could do worse as your with your wide receiver eight selection. Absolutely. You could just do way worse, and even if he like doesn't do well for you at the start, like you you could hope for a hot finish almost. Like he just his upside isn't baked into where he currently is. Is, is I guess is the phrase that I'm looking for. I agree with that 100. percent John Ross is hoping to reinvent himself this season. Oh, no shit. <laughs> he, he needs to do something because otherwise he's going to be out of the league. And I, I don't know what that something is. You know, I, I think this is a player that was just with the wrong organization from the get-go. And I, the only thing, in my opinion, that's going to help him reinvent himself is a, is a new team. And I, to me, John Ross is um, – I think he's a potential trade target at the trade deadline for teams this year. If they're looking for a little bit of like speedster help, they need they need somebody that can step in and clear out clear out the deep end of the field. I think they, this may be a player that somebody looks at to try to rehabilitate on the cheap. Yeah, what's interesting is uh, I kind of hope what he's inferring here is that he's hoping to play a little bit of cornerback. <laughs> Because he played a little bit of that for Washington, um, uh, you know, he started as a wide receiver, switched to cornerback, came back, and and that Bengals' defense is uh, kind of poor. They might need the help. That's an interesting idea. Well, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, I, I, he he came on fairly strong towards the end of the season, but he didn't do much until both AJ Green and Tyler Boyd were gone, and I don't know if that's like a function of. Uh, how uncreative last year's coaching staff was. But, but you and I have kind of talked a little bit about this, and we're both in agreement that the Bengals are ostensibly the worst-run t- franchise in the league, just like bar none. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, they are the bottom-tier team in the league. Yeah, like it's it's like it's not close. Uh, just just how, how they squander some all-star talent. But here we are. Um, Sony Michelle said that he is aiming for a training camp return. Oh, uh, shit, no for me. I his price is way too high and he carries way too much risk in my opinion. It's, you know, this is uh, running backs in this range are very difficult to earn your return back on what you've had to pay for them. So, if, you know, you, you're drafting a guy in the 5th round and he has a bulky knee at any point, he could be usurped by the third-round talent that New England just drafted. In addition to the other talents that they already have on the roster at running back position, things could change in a hurry for Sony Michelle, where he's persona non grata, where they, you know, maybe they use him as a, a bit of a change of pace back when they need to run the ball. But you know, this offense could come out this season, and maybe they're not a grinder offense anymore. Maybe they are this high-flying five-wide offense that they were back in 2007 and eight. We just don't know. So I just, you know, the adage is don't draft the highest price Patriots running back. And I think you just follow through with that here. Yeah, luckily his price has actually kind of started to spiral downwards a little bit. I think he's going much later than he was earlier. Um, But even then, it's still still kind of early. Uh, At the same time, Damian Harris has just sort of seen his uh, his price kind of spike. Uh, We're not, I don't know if we're getting close to the inflection point, but it feels like we're getting close to some kind of like shark being jumped with Damian Harris. I don't know how good you would feel it. I, I guess if you get Sony, Sony Michelle, if you pass him over, I guess not pass him over, but let's just say hypothetically you draft him in like the late sixth and, uh, and someone else, I don't know, man, maybe way over reaches for, for a, um, Damian Harris in like the eighth through like the eighth and a half. It almost would kind of be like, okay, so which one of these is right? It's a bit of a bit of a hard bet. What are your thoughts on Rex Burkhead um, uh, just sort of being a, a viable a fantasy player this year? I, the optimist in me says go for it in the 18th round, and the realist in me says go for it in the 18th round, but not every time. 
<laughs> sprinkle yeah. it in. Don't 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 put the hammer down. I I think Rex Burkhead will have games where he scores two touchdowns and may end up being your running back one on the week. But I think there may be you know eight to fourteen weeks where he's not putting up a usable score too. So it's his range of outcomes is very broad. And when you draft him in the 18th round, that's exactly what you're paying for is a broad range of outcomes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a concern. I, I don't know. I just think his price is far too low, but it might just be completely correct. And that we, he might just be a healthy scratch for most of the year. Um, Second-year wide receiver DJ Moore said that he's looking to make the same jump teammate Christian McCaffrey took last season. Oh, man, this is a uh, no shit for me. Of course he is. He he wants to be a 100-reception player, and nobody can blame him. Yeah, I'm genuinely kind of excited. I mean, he if you go back to like his game logs, he, it wasn't too exciting. But again, like he sort of flashed this like upside. And I think this what's what's interesting is with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, and I know there's been like all these just different discussions who is a real wide receiver one. Well, for starters, uh, we should actually admit that um, I personally have the belief that that's a bit of a, a bad talking point. I mean, this team clearly wants to change the style of offense that they play with Cam. Uh, they've got three guys now who uh, are ostensibly who embody positionless football almost, right? Like you got more, you got McCaffrey and you got Curtis Samuel to where Cam's able to get the ball out quicker, which helps them avoid taking hits versus the Calvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, Greg Olson trio they were trotting out where it takes, you know, they got to get separation and go down the field and, uh, you know, Cam takes these harder hits in the backfield and you just like holding the ball a little bit. So it's interesting them to them. It's me projecting a thought about Cam's health onto this offense but at the same time, there's something very interesting in this team going from traditional NFL, you know, pass offense to this ability to hit any of these guys with the ability to just kick it in a high gear when they find, you know, daylight and just can take it, you know, 70 yards to the house. And God help you if you're trying to stop them. Yeah, Massive Yak is a quarterback's best friend. Yeah, and, and he's got three guys now who can do it. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Curtis Samuel versus DJ Moore in their ADPs? I, I I tend to I tend to lead toward the cheaper player that I think is going to produce value against his ADP. So for me, Samuel's the play. I do have some DJ Moore. I'm really excited about him. Uh, I, I think I thought he was an excellent prospect coming out of Maryland, and I still think he's trending up. And I think Curtis Samuel can trend up too. Like there's room in this offense for Christian McCaffrey and two really good receivers in addition to the tight end. Like they they're going they're still going to have a very tight distribution of targets on the offense between, you know, it's McCaffrey, Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Greg Olson slash Ian Thomas. So if that's the case, I think you have to be very excited about Curtis Samuel, especially at his ninth, tenth round ADP. Uh, Titans coach Mike Rabel reiterated Ryan Tannehill's job is as the backup. No shit. (laughs) I don't see any reason why this guy gets on the field unless there's an injury. I mean, they – they are committed to Mariota. I think this is I mean, obviously this is an evaluation year for Mariota, being his fifth year, his option year, and the only thing we will find out next off season is if Tennessee decides to franchise tag him or actually sign him to a long term tr- contract based on his play. Jack Doyle said that he is not rushing his recovery. Oh, that's a no shit for me too. I do, please, Jack, get healthy, get good for week one. I'm gonna need you bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, he's, a, he's a really good value here. I mean, um, Ebron's price has started to come down a lot with to where he's becoming a little bit more interesting and intriguing as a, as a palatable option. But, yeah, I'm with you on Jack. Uh, All right, so I, I'm going to bounce this back to you. Where Where is Ebron palatable? Um, That's genuinely more draft-dependent and, like, where I am uh, at tight end. It, that's, it's just a really weird mid-range at, at tight end. That's, a, like, a... Man, I don't know. We were talking about this with Pat Fitzmaurice a few weeks ago, and I guess you kind of still want him in that tight end 10 to 12 range just because it's kind of gross. Would you take Ebron after Vance or, or before Vance? No, I'm taking Vance ahead of Ebron. I, to me, Eric Ebron's not a top 15 tight end. Yeah, I actually have Ebron ranked a handful above Vance, but I think I'm actually going to be dropping him down. i got to actually probably drop him down below quite a few prospects over here. 
who are you taking over Vance? Uh, I mean, is it going to be Herndon? Is it going to be Mark Andrews? So I guess how far does Ebron need to slide? Uh, to me, Ebron would, would definitely need to slide behind Herndon and um, Mark Andrews. I would put him behind Jack Doyle. I, I like Jack Doyle more than I oh, like wow. Eric Ebron. Okay, that's interesting. All right. See, like, here's the thing about Eric Ebron is Indianapolis signed a better Funches. version of Eric Ebron in Devin Funches this offseason. Right. So, you know, Eric Ebron was the beneficiary of an insane, insane touchdown rate last season, and that stuff always regresses. So uh, to draft him alongside a player like Vance McDonald or Jared Cook, players that are ramping up in volume, we see Eric Ebron likely ramping down in volume. Oh, and his TD rate is also going to crash to the floor. It's just how do you justify drafting him as, as tight end seven or eight? You can't do it, to be honest. You can't do it. Yeah, good point. I might have to actually look into into changing what I've got Ebron here. I was sort of a little bit optimistic in that I might want to be aggressive. But, yeah, just after hearing your thoughts on the matter, i got to change it up. Uh, here's a fun guy. Uh, Jets is running back. D'Angelo Henderson was stealing reps from Elijah Maguire in OTAs. Uh, shit, no for me. I mean, they, these guys paid a gajillion dollars for uh, Le'Veon Bell to come run the ball. It, it doesn't matter what's going on behind Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion. And they can talk about it in the news all they want. I'm not going to pay any attention to it. Nine News is Mike Kliss believes there is a great chance of Cortland Sutton becoming the number one receiver. Uh, no shit, I guess. You know, they, they drafted Cortland Sutton higher than they drafted Deshaun Hamilton last year. The, the problem with Mike Cleese is Mike Cleese is a liar, and he's a mouthpiece of the organization and not necessarily an accurate one. <clears throat> Again, he spouted plenty of lies about uh, Paxton Lynch and also I think uh, Chad Kelly when Chad Kelly was still with the team, among some other stuff. So uh, Mike Cleese, to me, I, I, I don't pay attention to anything he puts out there because he – is typically does not tell the truth. So I'm still siding with Deshaun Hamilton here based on Deshaun Hamilton's cost relative to Cortland Sutton. And I think Deshaun probably has a better profile to become the number one receiver. Now, that's not saying Sutton can't. Uh, these guys may end up becoming 1A and 1B until Emmanuel Sanders eventually gets healthy late in the season. But that said, I, I cost accounted for, you have to go with Deshaun Hamilton. Hi, Road of His fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFBC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFBC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've now grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFBC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand-new startup Dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball formats. And for those of you ready for your greatest challenge, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What is the main event exactly? It is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year is coming at you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over $3.1 million in total prizes. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort Casino or draft online from the comfort of your home. Find out more about the main event deadline coming up in just a few days on Monday, July the 22nd. But go to MyFFBC and register now. That's MYFFBC.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, Josh, we're headed into the home stretch here. The Philly Voices' Jimmy Kemsky believes Jordan Howard will get the lion's share of Eagles' short yardage work. Uh, Josh, this isn't the first time we've heard the Eagles' reporters bang the drum for Josh How, How, for Jordan Howard sorry, as their power uh, back this offseason. What kind of split do you think Howard and Miles Sanders will see in the year versus later in the year? And is there any fantasy viable role at all for guys like Corey Clement, Josh Adams, or Wendell Smallwood? I think I'm going to answer the second part first. I think Corey Clement has some usefulness in the offense um, because he's a good receiving back. And with the the other receiving back we don't talk about here is Darren Sproles, who has been rumored to be coming back this season. He wants to play, and Philly has expressed interest in him coming back to the team. So, you know, this could be another fly in the ointment for Miles Sanders or Jordan Howard, whoever you side with. I, what I thought was interesting is I, I saw this blurb on Roto World about Jordan Howard, and directly above it is another blurb about Miles Sanders from Jimmy Kemsky as well. And it says that um, 
he believes Miles Sanders needs to improve in pass prote- protection. So, all right, so I have two stories. Miles Sanders needs to improve in pass protection. Jordan Howard could get the lion's share of the goal line work. So what I see here is two stories aimed at um, provoking Miles Sanders to be better, to get in the film room, to get on the field, to get healthy. And because I, I believe, I sincerely believe they want Miles Sanders to be the guy. They've spent the draft capital on him. They obviously think that he profiles as, I believe, an every down back. And they're, these stories are coming out that kind of hint at what Miles Sanders needs to do to be a bell cow back in Philadelphia. So I, to me, it's not about Jordan Howard. It's about them wanting to get Miles Sanders a push. Man, I kind of hope that you're right, if only because I'm genuinely very excited for Miles Sanders. I don't have a lot of him, uh, but I'm – hoping that we keep hearing enough of these negative reports that his ADP continues to go down because I am uh, buying the dip. Yeah, I, I'm highly, highly leveraged on Miles Sanders right now. Yeah, it's, it's I think it's one of those like process. Of, well, it's, I wouldn't even I don't know if it's process over results as much as optimism over results. But like this is and this is something that I think we can talk a little bit about. This is something that I'll whiff on like a 100 times. Again, if only because I will always chase these, um, the archetype of a guy like a, a, you know, as a primary guy who should see usage in uh, neutral and negative script on a very good offense. Yeah, and that's really what we're looking for with running back is we want running backs attached to good offenses, score lots of touchdowns. And whether it's Jordan Howard or Miles Sanders or Corey Clement or Wendell Smallwood or whoever, it's like you want one of these guys because they're going to get opportunities to get in the end zone. And, you know, if you have to overdraft that a little bit for the optimism for the attachment to the good offense, then that's just the going cost of being attached to a good offense. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of difficult to know, quote unquote, what the good offenses are. But um, we know the Eagles are a good offense, if only because we've seen them be fairly elite year over year over year. Uh, And uh, you want to lean into the ambigu the ambigu ambiguous nature of the rbbc i think yeah for sure i mean that's that's the those are the fires that you want to run into i mean it's common in investment talk that you know you run to where people are running away if people run away from this situation because it's not clear then i think this is the right situation to run into we talked earlier about receiving situations that were unclear in san francisco and baltimore and while you don't necessarily just want to run in there with with uh, sights on getting the right guy, it, it's going to depend on the cost. But in any of these situations where there's murkiness, it's worthwhile to make an investment in certain parts of it, given the cost and the opportunity available. Speaking with NFL Network's Omar Ruiz on Tuesday, Todd Gurley said his knee is quote unquote good. Uh, Josh, one man's arthritic knee is one offseason's massive storyline. Uh, what are your expectations for Gurley this season? Do you, you know? Do you think this knee story has played itself out? Is it too overplayed? You know, is the level of concern here appropriate? Uh, you know, and where are you considering Gurley, Henderson, and Malcolm Brown in in drafts if you're considering any of these guys at all? So I, I'm. While I have some concern about Gurley's long term viability, I think for this season, um, you know, in, in a best ball draft. I haven't been taking him because I think his cost is too high, excuse me, relative to his risk. Um, and in season-long drafts, I may be more prone to take him because then I, I can I can replace him later. It's easier to replace him later. And I think I think Gurley's outlooks are are fine. Like if if we think that Gurley is going to get you know 15 to 20 touches a game, dude, that's awesome. Like how many running backs can you get in the late second, third round that's that are going to get that volume in a productive offense like the Rams have. They, they're not available. They're just not available. So I, I think Gurley, while a little bit expensive for my taste personally, I don't have too much problem with his cost where people are taking him. I see the reason why. Um, personally, though, I'm, I'm taking a lot of Daryl Henderson. I think Daryl Henderson operates outside of the realm of Gurley and Malcolm Brown. Like it, it, Daryl Henderson brings a different skill set to the team than either of these other two running backs have. He has his own role designated already, and that role can grow. Like He's the perfect zero RB candidate because he has a role already 
as a pass catching running back that will get some running work and it can grow into, you know, three down work potentially. That's, that's the ideal zero RB candidate. So I have a lot of Daryl Henderson. I overdraft Daryl Henderson because I believe in the opportunity that he has ahead of him, even with Gurley in the lineup. And then that said on the other side of that Malcolm Brown, I can still get Malcolm Brown in the 16th or 17th round. I like that price for him. It's a fair price for the opportunity of him stepping into a girly role potentially. So, you know, I, I think all these backs are relatively fairly priced. Gurley's a little bit expensive for my taste. The other two backs are, you know, Henderson's starting to creep up there to where he's maybe not so much anymore. But I want to put it to you this way. Would you rather draft Daryl Henderson or would you rather draft Tariq Cohen? Yeah, give me Henderson, I think, here, if only because um, I genuinely don't know what to make of Tariq Cohen's like, role. He got kind of squeezed down the stretch at the end there, and he's kind of it feels a little bit like he's overvalued, and it feels like you're paying a little bit too much for pass production for a guy who gets who got most of his primarily through the receiving game, and then towards the end of the year didn't have any work in the receiving game. Yeah, see, the, like the, the issue with Tariq Cohen is it's the weekly floor is low. You want him to be James White, but he's not James White because he doesn't play in New England offense. He plays in, in the Chicago offense. If they're ahead on the scoreboard, why do they need Tariq Cohen in the game? They can hand the ball off to Montgomery and Mike Davis and salt away a lead. So it's, it's a weekly proposition with Tariq Cohen. That's why I, I, I don't understand why you would pay a fifth or sixth round pick for him when you could get Daryl Henderson for the just a slightly less cost. Yeah, I don't know what's happening here. I mean, like Cohen's like ADP is still it's it was theoretically high last year, but he kind of paid it off, and this year it's, it's crapped a little higher, but it's pushed him a little bit into that overvalued again like I guess if there's one guy you're chasing in that range is probably James White if only because he's the most expensive New England running back at the same time uh, it's very uh, I don't know I mean it's hard to expect Tariq Cohen to replicate year over year over year over year this kind of like production um, again I, I wouldn't fault anyone for going heavy on Tariq Cohen um if they really want that kind of player and they're okay with it at ADP, it's just a matter of um, how okay can you like be with it? If only you know, I mean, uh, if we expect Allen Robinson to do well and we expect you know Miller to play a little bit better, and, uh, and you know if we think David Montgomery stealing some work and maybe they brought Mike Davis in as well, like it's 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 hard to see. And I, and I know Cohen's got that game-breaker skill, but it's not like, you know, Taylor Gabriel's not there who has an equivalent-ish game-breaker skill, so I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I just remember them not particularly using uh, Cohen much down the stretch, and I was convinced it was because um, they wanted to save him a little bit for the playoffs, not open him to injury risk, and then they didn't use him at all in that playoffs game. And that's that's potentially true. And they, I mean, there are a lot of flies in the ointment in Chicago for Tariq Cohen. I mean, the, you, we didn't even mention the two tight ends. They have... Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen, both very good athletic tight ends that could get work this year. And we also didn't talk about the guy they signed in the offseason, Cordero Patterson, who can do everything that Tariq Cohen can do from a receiving back perspective, and he can chip in some carries from time to time when they're not using him in the return game, Oh, which is where they also used Tariq Cohen sometimes last year. So there's just a lot of moving parts around Tariq Cohen that makes you wonder why you would draft him at his ceiling cost when you could get other players that have more opportunity and less mouths to feed around them. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I completely forgot. And Ian Harty's made that note about, like, Cordero Patterson being the best running back in the Bears. Yeah. Yeah, I've totally forgot. And they're paying him quite a bit. Um, this is, uh, I mean, this is, like, that is something that I legitimately forgot occurred. Wow, you really uh, – wow, that's uh, – I'm shook, I guess. <laughs> Take a minute to recover, man. <laughs> yeah, I I, told, I actually drafted Cordell Patterson on, on a deep dynasty squad just as a wide receiver flyer, and I totally forgot that he was on the Bears. I, I drafted him, and then I forgot he was on the Bears. And I I, I remember I, I drafted him because his contract was, like, ludicrous for the yeah, it's um, I, I think that's a smart move. Like he's not going to see a ton of volume, but I think he's going to see volume. He's he's going to pop in a few games. 
I just need one. I mean, I drafted him way, like, I think outside of the top 200 picks. Like, uh, I just need one game. Yeah, if you get one or two weeks out of him, that's it. That's all you need. That's all you yeah, need. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, at the wide receiver slot. That would be tremendous. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think – that's actually an interesting way to look at it. And, and I'm with you on, on Henderson, I think. It's just a matter of – we've never really see, like, seen, like, the Rams kind of have this kind of archetype. It's going to be interesting to see what the Rams really look like this year. I mean, um, so so I'm with you. I mean, it's it, it's a bit of a bummer because I hate to like really harp on this entire girly like knee stuff, but it's been one of those things where I'm. It feels like I I don't know, but whatever the answer is, I feel like we're going to be wrong. We can like talk about this segment in like November, and 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 I feel like we're going to be wrong. I think if there's one player whose usage and game logs, I, w- I wish I could like peek the future to see, it would be Gurley's. Like I would like to see Gurley's season from weeks one through like twelve. I think. Well, yeah, Gurley's the skeleton key. He's yeah. the skeleton key. If you if you know what his work is ahead of time, you can divine what the other two guys are going to be getting. Yeah, it's just, but also it just is dependent on, on, on draft costs because it's not like we're getting a discount here on on Gurley based on any injuries we're st- if you're still drafting Gurley you're sucking up and taking him as a, as a top 12 running back uh, where the margins for differences only come down as you mentioned on, on the offenses like you're not gonna there there were a handful of drafts that, that were done earlier where like Gurley fell to like the late second early third but I think the like those instances are far and few between, in my opinion. Yeah, then those those are the situations you have to be on the lookout for when he uncharacteristic uncharacteristically falls beyond ADP. Then you have to be ready to jump on it. But yeah. otherwise, I I just think you go somewhere else. I think the latest I've gotten him was in like the three oh six or something in, in, in draft. And again, that's not the kind, it sounds like a massive discount, but it's not because in 2016, when Gurley had no issues, that's where he was kind of, he was going at that late to, he was going in that late second, early third area anyway. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, um, I, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, to be honest. It's, it's different. I, I mean, early in the off season when he was, when everybody thought he was just he's really hurt it was fresh i mean that was the time to get him and now that you know folks have kind of come to their senses a little bit and they they kind of reasoned out that that Gurley's going to get a decent amount of work still and it's kind of the nightmare scenario that he doesn't play at all this season then you know you obviously you see the adp start to creep up from there and and it makes some sense to have some exposure to him as long as you're in the right draft slot in your best ball leagues and that will do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. A special thanks once again to our guest, Josh ADHD. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Josh ADHD. And uh, please remember to rate and review the Rotoviz Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, for Blair Andrews and Hassan Rahim, thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Say Metro by T-Mobile, got the best deal in wireless, and it's all for you, all for me. Just switch quickly, because Metro has two lines for 80, and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free, plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be, only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. Most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. 
Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 31.25 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749.99, 0% APR. One offer per account. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.